But I mean, for an hour, <coughs> you can hold the mic. An hour? An hour. Uh, let, okay. Hello, and welcome to the Don't Look at Me podcast. This is Chris T. Wilson. I am the host of this podcast. Really excited about today's episode. It's been a while since I could get into the studio. I do apologize to my faithful few listeners for the delay in putting out this episode. My interview today is with Mr. Bisqually and Paul Blackthorne. Uh, Mr. Blackthorne is a local resident for the past couple of years. He is uh, British by birth, I guess. Is it English? Is it British? Is he from the UK? I don't really know the difference of those terms. I think he probably does. I should have asked. Mr. Bisqually, I believe, was originally from Australia. But uh, he may lead us to believe other things in the conversation. Uh, And uh, Paul Blackthorne, uh, if you watch television and you know the CW Network, then perhaps you're aware of the program Arrow, and he is uh, one of the characters on there. Um, uh, What was of interest with Paul uh, recently, though, is that he uh, was able to just release and had a special screening of his documentary, This American Journey, that he made with Mr. Bisqually. And uh, that that was uh, at the Ojai Film Festival. Uh, in a special screening in 2013 that was so the near the end of last year. It's also available on Hulu, and um, there's another way to see it, too. I think you can go to thisamericanjourney.com. You can follow Paul Blackthorne on Twitter. You can check him out on IMDb to see the things he's acted in. There's a, a cute clip of him. Maybe I'll put that on my website, christwilson.com, uh, of him on uh, uh, what's the hospital show. You know, that hospital show. Check ChristWilson.com, a little clip of Paul Blackthorne acting in a bit part on a TV program. So uh, it was fun to sit down with Paul and Mr. Bisqually uh, at Paul's place in town. I like his house because it's, uh, it's this like rustic, modern architecture, uh, very bungalow. It tucked at bungalow like I think of bungalow, probably not traditional Hollywood bungalow style of architecture. Actually, it's more like a rustic, modern um, vaulted ceilings, floor to ceiling window setups in a corner. That It's just a great house. It's perfectly tucked. I really like it. It's very simple and small. Uh, not a big place, but it's, it's uh, I don't know, something... Uh, kind of enlightening about it when you get inside. So if you're fortunate enough to get to know Paul, maybe you'll get to go to his house at some point. Maybe not. Um, <clears throat> so this is the Don't Look at Me podcast. A uh, great way to sponsor this podcast is to go to ChristWilson.com, where this originates. My name is Chris T. Wilson, Christopher Todd Wilson, to be exact. And uh, so chriswilson.com was taken when I was going for domain names. So I just made it christwilson.com. It's just that much easier. And that was available. I'm, I don't have a Jesus complex, just to be clear. And um, Amazon banner. You'll see a link on christwilson.com on the right-hand side that currently has a link to the This American Journey uh, DVD download rental through Amazon Prime. That's on the right uh, side. So if you 
enjoy this conversation. You want to watch this cool documentary that these two guys made together a few years back as they did a road trip from New York to L.A. across America to non-Americans who dreamed of being here and then made their way here and then took the opportunity when it was presented to them to drive across the country with a camera and a film crew and make what turns out to be like a, you know, it's an eye-opening experience to see what people in the middle of the country are thinking or people in uh, the desert are thinking about what's going on in the United States of America. It's a wonderful place where we live. You know, it's the freedom here that makes it possible for this podcast to exist. Thank you. Thank you, America. Another shout out to also to Cardinelli Brother Music, because if it hadn't been for them and I was able to use a mic and a cable um, for very, very reasonable fee uh, to uh, record three people at once on this podcast. Um, if it wasn't for them, then I don't know. The audio wouldn't have been the audio have been even less good. I mean, I know I'm an amateur at this. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm going to do more podcasts this year. I am. I'm not going to make you guys wait forever. So I should shut up now and turn it over to us as we talk about things on the Don't Look at Me podcast. Hey, those windows at uh, Farmer and the Cook are pretty clean right now. You should go hang out there. If you can get a pizza in less than an hour because there's not a million people there on Sunday night. Uh Uh-huh. That's what happens when a place gets popular. This podcast is sponsored by Window Washing by Chris Wilson and by the Ojai Face t-shirts that are sold at the Village Pharmacy. I'm working on improving the quality of the store purchasing online experience on ChristWilson.com and on windowashing.com, which is my window washing blog, uh, which gives me nice listings on Google. If people say uh, window cleaning, oh, very nice native listings because I've, you know, done a few articles and posted some pictures and, you know, there's stuff on windowashing.com. It's got one W in the middle. Window washing, one W in the middle. Please enjoy this conversation with two wonderful people hanging out in Ojai. One of them who lives here, one of him loves here, and me who just, I don't, I don't know where else to go. I mean, you know, I get it. Oh, hi. You know, it's not like you're impressing me or, you know, wowing me with all the newness. I've, I've been here long enough that I get it, but I also know that I live in paradise. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So, uh, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm pretty happy. Enjoy our conversation. Thank you. Dude. To go. Dude. Dude. Well, that's really great, Chris. That's great, Chris. Yeah, yeah. whatever, man. That yeah. was no respect. Yeah. Welcome to Ojai. Have you seen our film? Yes, I have. It's oh, you've, you've seen the film all oh, great. I was oh, one of the ori- uh, early viewers, actually. I got like a private Vimeo link or something. You did. To, to great. So yes, you did. It's actually been three or four months probably since I saw the film, maybe even six. Um... Did you go to the other high screening? I did not. Okay. See, another thing you can get me for. Great. My dedication. So I'm sitting with uh, Mr. Basquale. How do you get a name like Mr. Basquale? Well, actually, my name's Bob Bill Burkowski, and uh, <laughs> Mr. Basquale was just a character we invented for the uh, for the film. He was, was an Australian character we invented. Uh, 
That's why in the film he's like an Australian, but actually I'm from Kansas City. From Kansas City. I almost want to believe you. Yeah. Okay. This is like sitting with Will Dalton. There's <laughs> an Australian friend of ours who says that kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. <clears throat> How did you get your name, Mr. Bisquale? That's a very long – that's a long story, um, one that we don't really have uh, – We only have an hour. We could just talk about that. Time to go into it. But, it, it, it yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a nickname that stuck. That uh, Like a turd on the bottom of your shoe. Yes. <laughs> and also Paul Blackthorne. And uh, how recently have you become an Ojai resident? I, in the last uh, two years, within the last two years, just shy of. Okay, yeah. Why? How? How did that happen? Why, why did you come here? Um, I first came to uh, Ojai uh, when I first got to California. I was working on a television show in uh, Los Angeles, and somebody said to me, one of the fellow actors said, have you ever been to Ojai? Because I was looking for things to do around these parts and trying to learn about uh, Southern California. And uh, uh, mentioned Ojai, and um, I came up here, and it was when that bookstore, Local Hero, yeah. was uh, yeah. around. Uh-huh. She said, go to, go to Ojai, go to Local Hero. Right. And I did. And it was fabulous. And I walked around the hills and the mountains, and then basically after that, I looked for any excuse ever to come back here, uh, weekend visits and such like. Um, and then I was wandering around a few years ago and thought, ooh, this would be a nice place to live. Yeah, as opposed to, like, West L.A. or... I was in Venice Beach before. Valley. How was Venice Beach? You know, it's a good version of L.A., isn't it, if you're going to do L.A.? I think so, yeah. I think when you got your back, when when you're looking at the ocean, you can have anything behind you, really, can't you? So, you know, it kind of helped. As long as I was looking at the ocean, I'd be like, I could be anywhere. Did you have one of those beachfront houses? You're I had the cheap town. seats. I was in the second row. I was oh, okay. uh, I was like behind the behind the guys with all the money, you know. So, uh, nice but I could see through their houses. And since moving to Ohio, what have you discovered about? I mean, what are you liking about it here? Are you are you planning on staying? Is it welcoming you? Or are you? Are you uh, I I can't imagine a time when I'd want to leave here. To be honest, I love coming back here. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. Uh, the valley always seems to welcome you back to its bosom. Yeah. And a warm, loving embrace, <laughs> which I can't resist. <laughs> what do you feel about Ohio, Mr. Pasquale? You've had a few visits here? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I uh, I live in Brooklyn. Same and, thing, really? Yeah. and Pretty uh, much. At, yeah. And uh, before doing this uh, little interview, we just came from the pool down at the Ojai Valley Athletic Club. Athletic Club. Hello, April, if you're listening. Thank you for the <laughs> towels. They're wonderful. Did a great job of drying all of my bodily parts. Anyway, moving on. This podcast <laughs> brought to you by yeah, warmbodilyparts.com. Yeah, and uh, and then I, I called my so I've just done that, and then we rode back rode back on our on Paul's bike bicycle, and I called my wife, and she was telling me uh, that uh, she uh, couldn't go out because uh, there was a foot of snow blocking the car in. I bet you felt terrible. Yeah, so you know. When I called my father-in-law in D.C. and he was in the same predicament with, uh, you know, nine-degree temperatures in D.C. So, you know, each time I come out here, I just don't want to go back to the East Coast, you know. But uh is very, very, very special. It's beautiful, you know. It's not more than just the climate. It's just the trees and the people. And It's got a nice energy. It's a... Yeah. Some say it's a magical place to live. Like little, little birds on the feeder. Little birds on the feeder. Backlit, yeah. silhouetted against a blue sky. Oh, yes. All, all by design, you know. Quite lovely. Whenever I'm in this house, I always think that it's uh, 
it's, it is the bungalow referred to by Jim Morrison behind the roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this place feels like to me for some reason. This is what I have in mind. It's quite a... It's quite positive, really, isn't it? Yeah. I kind of like that. Well, it's probably true because on occasion I have vomited in the bath. Wow. <laughs> oh, there we were, enjoying the bosom of the valley. All Back to human reality. Yeah. Vomit. Expulsions. Yeah. 27, the 27 Club. It's not about that the other day, all these, all these rock yeah. stars that die at 27. Yeah. What is that about? Uh, it must be some government conspiracy. I'd say. I'm sure you guys feel comfortable talking about that. All we ever talk about. Really? Oh, government conspiracies. Especially after traveling across America with a camera and a film crew. What a segue. That was, that was sweet, Chris. I like that. That just brought us right back on track. And all 12 <laughs> viewers, or listeners, <laughs> really appreciated it. More. That was In- good. I like that. Including April from the Ohio Valley Athletic Club. <laughs> what a lovely lady. Lovely lady, great facilities, great towels. Carl, 1-800-WARM-HOT. It is a nice athletic club, though. It's, uh, it's, a, it's quite a place. Lovely. All right, go on. Let's talk about the film. Then. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, you have uh, This American Journey. It, uh, I don't know if it debuted here at the Ojai Film Festival, but it has been uh, an official selection of the Ojai Film Festival. Is that we, correct? Um, actually, I don't think we were an official selection. We were a sort of a special, presenta- special presentation because we mm-hmm. came in late to the party. But we had, we had a whole lot of uh, festival screenings last year, and the Ojai one was particularly special, I have to say. How so? Because I did not uh, attend. Um, well, what we did is we got everybody drunk beforehand. Perfect. And, and they were just this wonderful, raucous crowd. You just thought they'd seen the most fabulous film. Mm. <laughs> um, no, the Casabranca were very nice, actually. They they, they oh, uh, helped us out with a few bottles of wine. Nice. Uh, thank you to them. Thank you, Bill Moses. Exactly. Good old Bill. And... Um, and uh, we had a little reception beforehand in the art center down there, you know. Love the art center. Yeah. I've been a member there for a long time. Good little place, isn't it? I like the old school sort of nature of that place. Yeah, yeah. I was the secretary of the board for a number of years. Really? Yeah, four years in the early aughts. In the aughts. Aughts. Easy to aughts. Right. You're not yeah. doing that anymore? I'm not currently uh, did, the secretary of the board. Did you get bored of it? I, it was a meeting of the No, actually, it's really fun. It just... You know, it's just time to not be there once a month or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't like it was that arduous. It was just, it probably was having too much fun. I mm-hmm. think they were a little too serious for me sometimes. Uh, yeah, we won't talk about that. I would write my minutes about 15 minutes before the upcoming meeting so I'd kind of have to go back into my dusty cobweb mind and remember what we talked about and try and read my scribbled notes. Uh, so. Yeah. I was a bit of a slacker for my volunteerism. For well, the- Chris, <laughs> you know. I'll go like that. But I think things are going well there. I've, I still wash the windows. Nice. On occasion. Nice. Which, which you do very well. Why, thank you. Thank you so much. You are fantastic. Um, so you did that. You, you Okay, so the film. Uh, it, it, how did that uh, come about? I mean, it's, it, I know you've said it in other articles and in other interviews. Uh, but tell, tell my audience how uh, you guys decided to do this American journey and the, how the seeds were planted and um, made it. I, I was uh, living in New York a few years ago, and uh, I decided to move back into a, an old Brooklyn neighborhood I hadn't lived in for a long time. <clears throat> and uh, it had all become a bit more gentrified and lots of lovely little cafes and things floating around. And one of those cafes was owned by Mr. Bisquali. And uh, I went by, before I knew who he was, I just saw this cafe and thought, oh, I wonder if I can get a nice cup of tea in there. Mm-hmm. And I did get a nice cup of tea. And 
this Australian fella came out and that explained it all. Um, and then um, we basically got to know each other um, over the uh, three or four weeks, about a month, something like that. Mm. Um, and then my time in New York was up and I was decided, then I had to get back to Los Angeles. It was around the time of the economic downturn. Okay. And, um, and uh, you're, uh, am I giving you a look? No, no, no. I thought you were trying to say something. I thought you were about well, to I'm, jump I'm, in. No, I'm looking at your, your mic cable. Yeah, something's bothering you, isn't it? Yeah, because it's popping in my ear a little bit. It's like a little loose somehow. Is it? Yeah, I had a problem with it once before. Are you editing all this down, or are you... Oh, heavens no. <laughs> yeah, take that one. Well... Take that one, that's fine. If you hold it tenderly at the top, then I don't think it will have a problem. But if you're touching the connector, then it'll have a problem. It's a technical problem. Take that call. It'll be fun. No, no, no. It'll be highly entertaining. No, no, I don't know who it is. Unknown. Name group. He's with me, Australia. Anyway, so we, uh, economic downturn. Yeah, basically, you know, everything had just gone belly up. Economic downturn. Um, And I was kind of curious as to how Americans were feeling about this, not so much in the gentrified bubbles in which I was spending time, New York and Los Angeles, more so uh, in the rest of the country. And I wandered into the cafe, uh, and I said to uh, Pasquale, he was like, what, what are you up to? And I said, well, I, said, I think I'm going to drive across America and maybe speak to people, really, maybe take some photographs, speak to people, I don't know, maybe make a documentary film or something. And he just went, well, I'll come with you, mate. And I thought, well, um, I don't know you that well. We'd only really spent about a month sort of chatting over tea or such like. But a few weeks later, we were we were literally on the road. Um, it went that quick. Mm. Yeah, it was it was like, well, if we're doing it, we'll do it now. So the cafe affords that you can just like take off. He's the boss. And the cafe affords wants. that you can do that. You can just leave. You have a good staff. You yeah, have, yeah. Uh, good management I, 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 I come back in, uh, in 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 with with a massive amount of debt because <laughs> the place has just been run to ground by the by the loonies in the asylum. <laughs> But, it was worth it. But it was worth it. Okay, so where did you start? You started in New York. Well, that was one of the sort of premises of the film, really, was that uh, we didn't want to lay out too much of a plan. We knew we had um, just short of four weeks to get from New York to Los Angeles. Uh, we wanted to sort of let it unfurl naturally, spontaneously. Um, and I think someone we were talking to mentioned something about... Uh, a diner in Pittsburgh or something like that. And we were like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go to Pittsburgh. There you go. There's our first stop. First stop west. And um, What's that, about six hours, seven mm. hours? It was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Sort of drove through the night, I think. And so we woke up in Pittsburgh the next morning and then speak to various people there. We had some great interviews there. And then... Um, and then, 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 uh, then we'd pull a map out and... Kind of like point yeah let's yeah, go there we, yeah yeah let's go this way or, or, or yeah or, was, or just speaking to the people of that place it's like you know where, 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 where's a good place to go to next you know what i mean and then taking local recommendations and stuff like so now when you approach someone you must have gotten a variety of reactions i mean there must have been people who told you to drag off or fuck off or whatever no, no everybody was off. super you can say fuck off no no no, no how no, shall no. we fuck off her lord no. sorry that's john Cleese. no every, most people were uh most people said yes, you know. 
Yeah, mm. we actually only had we in the in the film we sort of play it up a little bit at the beginning as mm. to sort of being rejected and not really knowing. Well, we were rejected at the beginning in, in New, New York. in New York. We were we yeah, were rejected exactly. a lot. That almost makes sense though. Yeah, yeah. We didn't really know what we were doing. We we're getting our sea legs, but generally, um, so you practice, did some practice runs, just go up to people in New York and just try yeah. to talk to them. Like, yeah, hey, and yeah. What do you think about America? What do you think about yeah. what's going yeah. on? Yeah, and everyone was yeah. People were saying no. You know, we had met a lot of we had a lot of resist, resistance in New York. I think that's more a sign of kind of New York and, and also, too, the p- kind of people we were going to, up to interview, you know. We were going into small communities and, in New York and, you know, really spontaneous, just walking up to them with their camera in the face and people weren't that. So then when you got out there on the road, then were you a little slower to turn the camera on and a little – more upfront about like telling people what you intended to do. I mean, I guess maybe. No, well, I think the first one was Travis. The first one. Travis was. I mean, it was actually no. It was the guy that at the motel the first morning. Remember in the snow, the freezing. Oh, yeah, snow. yeah, the, the Jamaican guy. No, not the guy outside. The owner, the guy that managed the inn, right? The, the motel. He was a. Oh yeah, or the Jamaican guy. It was the same. Yeah, location, same wasn't it? I don't know. I think when there's less people around, people are more receptive. Yeah. There's something about that, you know. When the down-home written, goodness. I think people are less suspicious and... Uh, You'll have more conversations with people when there's less people around. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When it's less concentrated. Yeah. Um, some strange phenomenon. Everybody just wants to, you know... Well, in the city, yeah, nobody really wants to look at each other. Nobody wants to... They're just so overwhelmed by constantly being bombarded with people around them that, like, oh, no. Yeah. I, I, Never get any time to myself as it is. Well, you've got to sort of you've got to sort of curl up a bit, and you've got to be a bit more protective of yourself Certainly. when there's so much energy around them. You yeah. just got to like so. you can't engage a conversation with everybody. Whereas obviously, when there's only a few people around, you can spare a moment for a hello. How are you? Hi. Um, well, thanks. But basically, what we found is that you know once we uh, just sort of go up to people and look them in the eye and just explain what's going on, and you know, it'd be lovely if you've got a moment and just nice and affable and pleasant to them, and then. Literally, I mean, post New York, it was pretty much. It was easy, right? It, it was, was easy. You just, yeah. Hello there. We're doing a documentary. We're crossing America. We're talking to people. And you know, would you like to tell us about your life around here and how you feel about America? Uh, yeah. Okay. Why not? You know. So you went to uh, to Pittsburgh first. Yeah. Who did you interview there? No, we didn't go to Pittsburgh first. We went to. We headed. That was the direction we. That headed. was the direction we headed. That was where. We, that was our first destination, but it took us. It took us nine hours to get there overnight. Uh, Pennsylvania wasn't it? Beer is good. Yeah, beer is good. Was the no, yeah. no, 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 no. It was the we drove. We stayed in a motel. Then we interviewed the motel owner, yeah. and then we, on our way to Pittsburgh, we drove past a, a, a liquor store that had a sign out the front that said "Beer is good," and there was just something about it—the randomness of the sign. Yeah. And the it was like, old school, mum and pop sort of. Looking. Yeah, like in the you know in the middle of nowhere, and just kind of like we were tra- we were we were we were caught. By the sign, so we said, "Let's pull over here and go into the store." So we went into the store, and then we just told them what we're doing and if we could talk to the owner. And that's kind of how we started, you know. Actually, that and that's how a lot of the the, the interviews sort of inadvertently happened because what we did by day we drove on country road, okay, until it got to uh, nightfall. At which point we're like, "Well, let's get some miles under our belt, and get on the freeway, uh-huh. and we do two or three hundred miles or something, right, yeah. and, uh, of a night, end up in a motel at eleven o'clock." Wake up the next morning in the daylight. Oh, wow. 
oh my gosh, there's a uh, giant cross over there. Oh wow, there's a gun show across the road. We always have this sort of morning surprise seeing where you'd sort of ended up because uh-huh. it was just a bleary, you know, bleary-eyed motel at 11 or 12 o'clock the night before. Right, right. Um, but in those sort of daytime um, country road sort of uh, journeys, we just see something, you know, like, wow, look at that. Like, the beer is good store or um, uh, the Amish signs that we passed by at one point. So like, wow, let's just, just go check out all these crazy Amish signs, all that higgledy-piggledy. And then we're standing there taking photos of that then realizing I'm standing on somebody's lawn. The guy comes out, hey, what are you doing? And then, oh, uh, can we interview you? Yeah, okay. Um, so it was often as we, as we sort of stopped Stopped by the road, photograph something, you know, a good slice of Americana, get it, uh, get it in the can, and then someone, some poor innocent passerby walks by, and the next thing they know, they're being interviewed by us. And there was was that a first uh, cross country trip for both of you guys? Was that the first yeah. time you'd done something yeah, like that? Was, yeah, it was for me. Paul, had you road tripped big time across the states already? Um, I over the years have done a few trips here and there. Cameron, our uh, other. Uh, producer friend who <clears throat> can't be with us right now, but um, he um, he and I did some uh, uh, DC New Orleans, oh, okay. uh, which was a bit of a trip. Um, I've done the whole West Coast a few times, you know, mm-hmm. up to the from LA up to Seattle, Vancouver, um, and you know, some like Colorado, Utah, you know, some sort of good. Good two but or three day trips, but never that coast to coast sort of the great coast to coast trip. You know? And the, some of the south and the Midwest. Uh, from Pittsburgh, where'd you guys go? Which way did you kept heading? To Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, then Louisville, Louisville, Knoxville, Knoxville, Tennessee, Louisville, Kentucky, Knoxville, Tennessee, Georgia. Well, Knoxville put us on a uh, that that. that Threw us off course a bit, didn't it? Because we met John Worley, the uh, the great folk singer, mm-hmm. um, outside a coffee shop in Knoxville, and of course he then invited us to spend time with his family in Morristown, which was a place we would never yeah, we come never. across, and and that that was real hardcore America down there, you know, was, uh, uh, a lot of poverty, but amazing community spirit, um, and and he showed us a real slice of America that was you know re- really quite inspiring, you know, cause yeah, it took us into that. Into the uh, was it the Appalachians and yeah and yeah saw guys making moonshine and oh yeah we saw did you sample it yeah, yeah we did he, he yeah we spent a couple of days no there. no we, we didn't because we weren't drinking no remember? but the next no that's no, why we, we weren't, we weren't. We no, weren't. But, uh, Aaron Aaron had Aaron. our sound recorder he's like well I'm not on camera I'll have a little slug um, and he didn't look very good immediately afterwards yeah. and it was uh, pretty turpentine yeah it wasn't it wasn't it didn't make you want to sit there and uh, guzzle it up, but um, <laughs> he was great. Like so, so for example, yeah. So in that case, you know, there was somebody that just took us off into their world, and then after that, we had to Montgomery. After that, no, no, we went to Athens. Uh, we went to we we went to uh, Georgia. We went to Chattanooga, and then yeah, then we went to Alabama. and then Montgomery. Then Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. Montgomery, Alabama, then Memphis. Selma, Memphis, Oklahoma, yeah, Little te- Rock, te- yeah, Little Rock, New Mexico. Ah, sorry, uh, Texas. Yeah, Amarillo, Texas, Amarillo, Taos, Texas. New Mexico, Carlsbad, New Mexico, Phoenix, Arizona, California. Yeah. Right. What most surprised you? I mean, I remember there being some some pretty racist fellows on there. Uh, well, that was pretty shocking that particular occasion because. 
we just spent those three or four days in Montgomery, <clears throat> speaking to people that have been around in the time of Martin Luther King, talking about some Montgomery. And, yeah, yeah, we were on the Rosa Parks bus. You know, we, we, we were just sort of immersed in, in that sort of great time of change. And for someone, like, I've never been there, but I mean, uh, how does the integration feel to you there now? Does it feel like there's an integration in the community of... Of all ethnicities, uh, or did you still feel like there was a? Uh, well, the thing is, we some darkness from the past. I think there was still darkness from the, the past. We 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 went into a this diner, and we interviewed a guy who we who uh, was a local journalist who we uh, gave him the pseudonym of Hank Tugsley, which wasn't his real name, but. Uh, and he, you know, and he was still, you know, still rooted in the past. Yeah, okay. you know, he, he, he's still. And what still, does Hank Tugsley mean? Is there a meaning to that? No, no, he's just, just a name. reference to no, something. That okay. no, doesn't mean anything. We couldn't remember his name at one point. It's like you know, probably just came up with the name. But okay, yeah, well, yeah, he, he's not. He's not in the film anymore. He's not in the. Yeah, he didn't make. He, did, he, okay. he didn't make the final cut. But he was still very much, you know, like, you know, you know, Jim Crow was a laws were great, and you know that. You know, you shouldn't be able to vote if you don't pass a, uh, right, a, a an, an aptitude test. You know, they were kind of, you know, had old Southern white, you know. It was old up, school. Old school, you know. So those people still exist, but, you know. It also, we, when we were there, it was also right in the death of or death of winter. So the days were short and you mm. weren't really, you know, we weren't really out in the street that much in Montgomery because it was so cold and you can't get a real, I think you, you can't get a real feel for the community. Feel for the community sure, when, sure. When, when, you can't, when people aren't out in the street and, you know, people are in their homes. We did go to, um, in, we went to Martha's Soul Kitchen in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Again, somebody just recommended it in passing. There we met Judge Price, who is the local judge of the Montgomery Courthouse. And in another little dinner party that we were invited to, we were talking to another judge <clears throat> who was a uh, sort of Republican sort of lady. And um, we asked them both about, well, okay, this was great, all this Martin Luther King stuff and all this, you know, civil rights movement. And clearly it had a positive effect. And, you know, obviously it was a massive effect and positive in many ways. But basically asked the question, was like, but at the end of the day, what's, what are the incarceration, um, what's the incarceration situation, black and white? Uh-huh. Like eighty, eighty-five percent black, black, you know. Like okay, so it's not all uh, technicolor, sort of beautiful, and shining world down here. You know, there's there's clearly yeah, issues. Yeah, but he probably even if you looked at those stats for the entire nation, oh, for the whole country, it's actually like ninety-five percent. You know, ninety-five percent minorities. Um, you know, yeah, five percent white, ten percent white. Yeah, something's not right. Okay, and I mean, would, did that surprise you, or did it disgust you, or what? How, what was your reaction to it in the moment? I mean, what was your your feelings about it? Well, to well, what exactly? To, just to to, to, yeah. being, to confronting people's ways in different parts of the America. I mean, it's kind of maybe a little different than New York or L.A. Or yeah. LI. Um, it was. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have been too surprised. No, but to be honest, the over the over the overriding sort of uh, consensus was so much more positive. You know Certainly. what I mean? 
I mean, literally the three examples we've we've mentioned now were probably the three examples of that of the the dark side of uh, of things. Um, there was a lot more positive going on. I mean, you can go to any country, any part of the world, any region, any group of people. Of course, there's going to be you know good and bad. There's going to be bad apples all Certainly. over the place, you know. But um, but just generally, that general attitude towards the idea of change and community and you know the values of life, you know, modern day life. You know, what is it that really makes you happy at the end of the day and such like. You know, the, the kind of discussion that was being had with, with with people out there that was inspiring. That was uplifting. Yeah. The American dream had just fallen flat on its face, you know? It's after the economic downturn. It's like, yeah. well, what the hell is going on with that thing then? You know? Everybody's living in this sort of capitalist um, uh, sort of environment. Everybody's trying to make as much money as they can. And it's supposed to be great if you can and if you do. And, you know, dog eat dog and all the rest of it. And, you know, a lot of, lot of gobbling up going on. And at the end of the day, that very situation you know that very sort of concept fell flat on its face but even within that concept for those that have experienced you know the uh, the positive side of the american dream i.e you did accumulate lots of material things and consume lots of stuff and have lots of things and they're all big and shiny are you happy now you happy yeah does that uh, make life better for you kind of not really uh damn I'm, you know it's even more perplexing i think for a lot of people when they do actually get everything that is supposed to be the things that make you happy. Yeah. And then they get there. You know, Tennessee Williams called it the catastrophe of success. Wrote, wrote an essay about it. It's like, I've got everything. And I'm still not happy. I don't get it. I was happier thinking I would be happy when I got everything. Because at least I thought there was, a, there was an end game then. Yeah, yeah. But I've reached the point of success and everythingness. And there's a, I'm sitting on a gaping great hole. And I don't know what to do with myself. Could you pass me that bottle of vodka, please? <laughs> you know, I added that bit. Um, but you know what I mean? And, and that sort of, sort of uh, the word spiritual is <clears throat> a bit of a hijack, isn't it really? But that sort of spiritual chasm that may well exist amongst any kind of group of people, whether they be American or English, Polish, Indian, Chinese, whatever, is, is kind, of interesting to sort of, um, kind of interesting to sort of look at, you know, because it's the, well, let's have more, 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 more. To fill, 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 fill this sort of spiritual chasm, you know, this 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 whole this big hole, and I think that's what we need to study. Do you know what I mean? And and, and when we were when the film very much started off looking at the state of the country, but really it turned much more into looking at the state of our minds, because you know, people that the, the conversation that was generated by the people we were talking with, sure, and listening to, was very much at. at uh, as, as the themes expanded, was very much like, well, hang on a second. Even if you do get all these big, shiny, happy things, or if you, even if you do get all these big, shiny things, do they make you happy? Well, maybe they don't. It's a fantasy. So then maybe it changed your minds too. Did it change your minds, your internal spirits to make this journey and make this... And particularly, now I'm going to step back even further because in pre-reading about... The seeds of this film, it's about you're from Australia, correct, yep. Mr. Pasquale? You're from uh, Great Britain? Yeah. So you both had desires as youngsters to be in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Where did that – how did that begin for you? What was your initial impression of, the, of America? And, and then I was, I was, what uh, made you get here? I was uh, – as a kid, I was obsessed with uh, the TV show Starsky and Hutch. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and SWAT. And basically all the 70s cop shows. And so 
1977, my parents brought me to America for a two-week holiday. Very nice. And uh, we went to Hawaii. Oh, no, we went to LA and Disneyland and San Francisco and um, and uh, we're staying in in Va- and went to Vegas. They saw Sammy Davis Jr. And you saw Sammy Davis Jr. I Did you go I to the show? Did you no, have I, to didn't, I didn't. Oh, I, I you stayed. were by yourself in the hotel room? Yeah, yeah. I was by myself in the hotel room. They bought me walkie-talkies, and I was on my walkie-talkie trying to listen to the police radio, but I couldn't listen to it. <laughs> but it I was so dysfunctional. It didn't make – I still amused myself. Um, and so, that, the, you know, and you know, that was the first time I, uh, you know, I was staying in a, a hotel and – in 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 Hollywood, and the hotel had an ice machine, and I'd never seen an ice machine before. And the fact that you could go to this big machine at the end of the corridor and fill up a bucket, bathe in ice, and, and fill up a bucket with as much ice as you want. When at home we only have one tray, right? And <laughs> Don't forget to refill the ice tray. Yeah, and then I discovered that in every hotel we went, every every floor had a had an ice machine at the end of it that you could go to. And to me, as a kid, that was like, oh, my God, I want to live in this place. And then you, you, you get off at the airport and you hear this voice that comes from nowhere that says, the white zone is for immediate loading and unloading. And, you know, like in Australia, <laughs> you, they, they don't have that, right? And it's like you, you don't have voices coming out of nowhere, and the ones that do don't sound like they're American, you know? <laughs> so as a 12-year-old, you, you, your sensitivity is just – turned up so much higher than when you're an adult. So that and, – and that was the first time I saw black people, you know. We stayed, I stayed at the, in, in Hollywood and there was a band there called uh, Bootsy's Rubber Band, which was Bootsy Collins. And so oh, it was wow. like a 15-piece funk band. And they, they used to get in the in – the, um, in the, uh, Now, is this when you were 12 still? 12, the right? first visit. Yeah. And I'd be in the hotel in the, in the elevator – and I'd have all these, you know, black women that were like, you know, six feet tall. And I'm like, you know, three foot two. And they got legs coming up to my ears. And I'm the, you know, and they're all like full of color because it's in the 70s. And yeah. they've all got froze. And I'm like, I'm in paradise, even though I haven't, I, I hadn't discovered my own sexuality. But it just, you know, as a little boy. It's probably just around the corner. <laughs> yeah, you know. I was just like, oh my, it was just a visual, you know, overload. And. And then uh, another, and then we when we stayed at the uh, we stayed at this hotel near Anaheim, and the San Francisco 49ers were staying there. I had, yeah, I had an NFL team that, that was staying there, and I saw I saw these men that I, that were like size of buses. The size of buses, yeah. I'd never seen men that big, like that many of them, and they were all. And I knew they were American football players, but I knew nothing about American football. And so, once again, it was like the scale of everything was just and the and the cars, the Lincoln, the Lincoln Continentals oh, cars were all so huge. Yeah, the cars were huge, but they wooden cars. Yeah, and the lines on the cars and the way that you know. So, as a twelve-year-old, I came to this place that I all I knew about was in the TV shows, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It was literally like paradise, you know. It was like and and. <clears throat> I made a decision at that young age that I want to come back here and live here one day. I want to, this is where I want to be. So kind of like as a kid growing up, I came back when I was 15, you know, and then I went when I was 21, I went to New York for the first time for three days, and then I made a decision. I was only there for three days, but I was like, 
I want to I want to live here. I want to live. Um, and, and so going back to Australia, I just always knew that I was wanted to live in New York. You know, from the age of tw- from a little kid, I always wanted to live in America. At the age of twenty one, it was New York. And you made it happen. Yeah, and then I moved here when I was like in my early thirties. Okay. You know. And wh- is that when you started the cafe and everything, or you no, were I, doing your photographer too? Yeah, correct. I did, yeah, I was doing photography all my life, and then I opened the cafe in two thousand and. What was it? Six, two thousand six. So I'd been here for like or five years, five or six years. No, no, five years. Yeah, I've been here five years when I started the cafe. So you know, it, I, I've had, I have a long history with this and love for the place. And even though, the, and the music, and you know, when I was a kid, the first music concerts I w- saw were Ike and Tina Turner, Girls Night in the Pips. Um, There's a pattern emerging here. Yeah. You know, so very much into American music and American TV and kind of pop culture in the 70s, which was like very flamboyant. So, you know, unlike myself, you know, so. um, You're not a flamboyant guy? No, I'm not. Quiet, keep to yourself? Just quiet, shy. Introverted. Yeah, that's a long answer, but, you know, that's how I got got my America bug. What about you, Paul? What was your thing? I I was... um, 10 years old and I got this phone call from my granddad um, my mum passed me the phone and she said your granddad's on the phone and I said okay hello granddad and he went you right, boy and I said uh, yeah boy. he goes I've got a little surprise for your son you're going to America tomorrow with your nan to see your auntie Doreen and I went oh, oh what'd you say <laughs> and then I just peed my pants and and then, you know, that was it. I was going to America the next day. And I literally packed a bag. It was this big surprise, big family surprise, you know. They'd all been holding back for me. And oh, the nice. next day, I'm on a DC-10 wow. flying from London to New York um, with my nan being sick in the sick bag and me just drinking as much Coca-Cola as they would give me, running up and down the aisles, checking on my nan every so often, but just going nuts running up and down the plane. It was just the two of you? Yeah, it was my, my nan and myself. She was going over to see her sister, my, oh, okay. my great-auntie Doreen. Okay. She would go over there for six weeks at a time in the summer, so I was with her on this trip. And, you know, I woke up in the morning, um, the swimming pool, there was a swimming pool at the end of my Auntie Doreen's garden, in the same way with the ice machines and stuff. I just, I just, I was like, what? A swimming pool? Can I go in it? Well, yeah, it's just it's our swimming pool. Do I have to pay? Are there other people going to be there? What, what do you mean? Jump in there for the next six weeks if you want. Um, and there were chipmunks. I was like, my God. Well, it would have been in Jurassic Park. So this wasn't New York. Where was this? Where you, you this is upstate, upstate New York. Upstate, okay. Yeah. About uh, uh, Poughkeepsie, Newburgh, Beacon, around that sort of way, which has all got this sort of big arty sort of community going mm-hmm. on now. But in 1980, it was a 79, different place, obviously. But, um, and then that, you know, and that was one thing, settling into, into that world and seeing those trains, those mile-long trains, you know, down the Hudson Valley and everything. Sure. and. Incredible stuff. And then, of course, you know, but, but the real kicker was, was going into New York City. And my, my uncle Arthur, hey, Paul, we're taking you to New York today. You have a great time. Just stay close, okay? Don't get yourself lost. And, you know, don't let go of my hand. And that was it. I gripped his hand all day long on one of the most hot, sweltering New York days. Oh, it was terrible. And in one day, we did this. Well, we got the train into Grand Central, which is just incredible enough yeah. in itself. It's not like it's a Colchester train station. <laughs> um, and then um, 
And then we went to uh, the Statue of Liberty. We climbed to the top of the, to the, to the, to the crown. Uh, we did that. We went to the United Nations. We went to up the World Trade Center, so up the Twin Towers. And then we... And could you go all the way to the top at that point? Or was oh, it yeah. like the observation deck? Yeah, because well, the, ob- yeah, the observation. To- I just remember the windows that you sat in, the, the, the glass that you sat in, and you you're kind of over, you were up over the side of the building kind of thing. You know, yeah. you could look directly down. Yeah, amazing. Um, but the one, the, the moment that got me, the, the, the kicker in New York itself, was standing in Times Square at subway station. And just the noise of the trains and the, sa- the noise and the sound and the chaos and just the smell and the people and the bustling and this, this nuttiness. And I just remember standing there as 10 years old just going, wow. <laughs> and then the neon light. Wow. The neon light. So all the oh. peep shows, yeah. And yeah. then that was it. And Uncle oh, Arthur's yeah, going, still- hey, Paul, you wait till it gets dark. I'm going to take it to Times Square. <laughs> and then, we, then he's like, okay, it's getting dark. It's getting dark. I'm going to Times Square. You're not going to believe this kid. And then we literally got dark, and he led me into Times Square, and that was it. I just, you know, it was all over. I was like, my God, this is beyond anything you could imagine. And it was pretty gritty back then, too. Right? And it was pretty gritty. He was like, okay, that's enough. Let's get out of it. <laughs> so um, so that became uh, a love affair for yourself. Though, yeah, and that was America. it. And, and, you know, and that's one thing we talk about in the film. You know, Pasquale and I are obviously a very independent way. Both fell in love with America as kids and had, as it turns out, uh, both lived in America uh, for about 10 years or so at the time that we met. Um, just prior to doing the film. But what with everything that was happening with the American situation, the economy, the American dream, and everything going south, you know, I, I personally, I was, you know, wasn't quite sure how I was feeling about the country. You know what I mean? It's just like, ooh. Oh, yeah, things were a little, yeah. It's gone a bit wonky. What's, yeah. what's going on here? I've been here 10 years, and this is happening, and ooh, what's brought this about? And I wasn't quite sure how I was feeling about it, but that was really one of the, uh, a major catalyst for, for taking the trip on, doing the journey, uh, was, well, I don't know how I feel about it, but let's drive across America, speak to the people of Americans, see how they feel about it, see what we learn from them before we come to any sort of, you know, conclusion any, any of conclusion of our own. Let, let's, sure. let's go to America. Sure. Let's speak with America first. And then, of course, by the time we got to the end, we were so inspired by the people we met, the spirit that we came across, um, the things we learned, we fell in love with America all over again. And in the end, this film ends up being, you know, it's, a, it's basically a love letter to America. You know? homage, homage. 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 A friend of mine watched it the other day and she just went, wow, it's amazing. Did a little of that. She just went, it's a love story. And it's not a love story between myself and Pasquale. It's a love story <laughs> to okay. America. I see some affection. So um, it is that, really, at the end of the day. It's, sort of, it's like two little boys, the little boys that came here as kids, falling in love with America again as a result of this trip, you know. So that, that's really what encapsulates the film. Now, Basquale, you didn't necessarily have an intention or interest prior to Paul coming into your shop and saying he's going to do this to become active as a documentary filmmaker, did you? No, 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 not at all. So you just, like, did it on the cuff. It was, like, uh, opportunistic, if you will. Well, now, Paul told me about the idea, and, you know, I thought it was a really great idea, but it was also, I thought, a really great opportunity for me to just take a road trip across the country, yeah, you know, and I thought that, um, uh, you know, when does this opportunity to come? Uh, you know, th- th- when does the opportunity arise when you, you someone walks into your life says, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing, driving across the country." I thought it was a great opportunity for me to go and see the country, but also, you know, I th- wanted to support Paul in making his film. 
because I'd come from the background of photography, of production, doing shoots and stuff, and I knew what it took to kind of do a production, not to produce a film, but just, you know, um, the kind of nuts and bolts of, you know, organising rental cars, hotels and stuff like that. As it turns out, I didn't have to organise any hotels because we just pulled into them at night. <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very emotionally led person, driven person. Like, you know, I only really do things that I feel strong about from a um, – I'm a very impulsive person, very, very impulsive I'm not. I'm not. I'm not strategic at all. So when he said he wanted to do it, it just seemed that that got me excited. It got me really excited about doing it. So I offered my support, and you know, he picked it up and ran with it. It's funny, really, because you're sort of saying about the documentary filmmaking side of things. I mean, I'd never done anything like that before. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, Basquale's got a you know major sort of history uh, background in, in photography in a very professional sense. I, I I've had a few photo exhibitions here and there, just sort of on on the side, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, you're doing some traveling and photographing, and yeah, did I've you had train a f- and did study photography. No, kind of thing? no, not at got all. Got a camera and went no, for it. No, not at all. I just you know a friend of mine taught me on a road trip to America. Actually, another road trip to America once years ago. We did the whole Southwest thing um and he he taught me uh how to use a camera back then but um yeah but but Basquale, you photo- photograph like famous people and yeah. stuff his uh, photography is amazing seem like your website's been updated in a few years it hasn't but i did visit basquale.com yeah it, has, it hasn't been updated since i 2002 opened, since i opened there four oh, no, probably a little bit later than that oh okay. since i opened the cafe which i opened the cafe in 2006 I, yeah it probably hasn't been updated for are you a while. still doing photography no i'm not did you lose interest? No, my life got hijacked by the cafe. You know, it just, it just, it just did. You know, I just thought I'd. What I'd done is up and up until I opened in the cafe, the cafe was an impulsive thing. It was just there was a Ferenc sign on the building, and I thought it would make a great cafe, so I just did it. And at the time, I thought, well, instead of doing another book, I was looking for a project to do, and instead of doing a photography book or a photography exhibition or both which those things tend to take a year, anywhere between one to three years to do. And I'd done so many of those, I thought, well, you know, I'll do a cafe because the the cafe, this place was available for rent Uh and it lived in my neighbourhood and I thought it would make a great cafe. So I thought I'll just do the cafe and and take, instead of take a sabbatical for photography for a year and then get back into it. But it didn't turn out that way. It just kind of... You know, I did that, and then I was still restless looking for a creative pro- outlet, and then the film came along. And you know, What is the cafe? What's it called, and wh- where is it located? It's called Smooch. Smooch. Yeah, it's in, um, it's in Fort Greene in Brooklyn. Okay. You know. Probably the best coffee I've had in, Bro- in, in New York. Is it? Yeah, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, yeah, it's you just stumbled across it. You yeah, mean, yeah, it was in my old street. I lived on that street uh, 15 years prior. Oh, okay. It's interesting what you say, and, and it, yeah, it's a fantastic little place. Well, it looks like it. I'm, I'm serious. Organic food and and the the, the lovers' night evening yeah. thing looks really yeah. great. Yeah, it's a uh, red wine. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fantastic spot. But what was Scotty saying about? Um, I think you know we spend a lot of time sort of like labeling aspects of our lives and and decisions and and whatnot. It's like, well, uh, I'm not an actor anymore. Uh, a documentary filmmaker. I'm not right. a photographer anymore. I'm a cafe uh, proprietor, owner. It's like, you know, 
people say, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes I take photographs, sometimes I'm acting, sometimes of late, in recent years, I've been making this documentary film. You know, it, it's just, and I, I don't like what Pasquale was saying, um, but it's just the way you're feeling, you know. I think sometimes you just have to listen to your, to your you know, listen to your belly and follow your heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I think because we get a bit sort of stricken with fear and like, oh, God, the what ifs and what if it, what if it's a bit of a risk, isn't it? And like, but, not, but, you know, you just listen to your belly and follow your heart. Just, just be brave about that. And when that voice is just sitting there, as Pasquale's saying, going like, just, just, you know, it's a cafe. Come on, just do it. Give it a go. Why not? Challenge yourself, you know? And, and the same with... And then he did something like that. I walked out. I'd been doing a lot of American television at that point. What shows I, have you been on? I mean, I know you're doing Arrow right now. Right? Yeah, on, but let me just finish this book. Oh, at that point, right. I'd been doing a lot of American television. I've been very fortunate, been very busy. But I, I just was like, you know what? <sighs> I just need to sort of take a breath for a second. And this whole crazy thing was happening in America. And I thought... Be nice to speak to people. Be nice to you know photograph people. Well, hang on a second. Why don't you just roll a camera? If you're going to drive across and photograph and speak to them, why don't you just roll the camera and just see what happens? You know. Mm-hmm. And then I ha- I'm reacting to that sort of gut feeling. This guy over here has reacted to his gut feeling to open a cafe. And then two sort of gut feelings sort of meet each other and then sort of go. I don't know. Let's just do it. And you know, sort of see what happens. And the next thing you know, you you you, you you've got all this footage in the can and. And then the fun really begins. Yeah. <laughs> then you're like, oh, by the way, that's the point where you go, by the way, do you know how to make a documentary? Because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but now we've got 96 hours of footage. 96 hours. Right? Whoa. And then that, that's, that for us, that was where our journey really began. Because the, 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 the drive across the country, but there was a walk in the park. You know what I mean? That oh, was just sure, like, sure. That, that's a road trip. That's, yeah, that's it was a road fun trip. and easy. That's shoot the, some rolls, shoot some film. Your and, ass uh, gets sore. That's about the worst. Yeah, and, and, down the road. and speak to people and learn shit. And then afterwards, you suddenly go, oh, I guess we've got to put this all together in a way that it might be interesting and coherent. And, uh, did you guys do the editing yourselves, or did you bring in an editor? We brought in an editor, uh, uh, Woody Richmond, who was one of Michael Moore's editors. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, he saw the film, uh, some footage from the film. I ran into him in L.A., and I was looking for an excuse at that time to be back in New York. And I ran into this guy. This, I, I was at a bunch of documentary screenings. And he, he just edited Trouble the Water. And um, I just ran up to him afterwards and was just like, mate, I've got all this footage from this trip we just did. And, um, you know, maybe you'd be interested in it. And he was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and I said, where are you based? And he went, Brooklyn. I was like, whereabouts? And it was in the neighborhood next to Fort Greene. And Basquale calls up and says, the flat above, the apartment above the cafe is available. I'm like, oh, hang on, something's happening here. So uh, I basically went back to New York, and we sort of, as a team, you know, started trying to assemble what we had, trying to sort of break down the, the you know, the, uh, the, the, the footage. And we spent, um, and, and Woody very much laid the groundwork with his editing at, the, uh, at, the, at that stage. But then we, you know, we moved, I left New York, moved in, we had a different editor after that, and, you know, it sort of evolved after that. But that was, um, that was an interesting process, really trying to work out, like, oh, hang on, this is where the, we've had the fun, now the work begins. Yeah. You know, putting a film together. And it took four years. Five. Five years. Yeah. Did you ever lose heart in the, in that five-year period? That's a long, I mean, it, to me, it seems like a long time. But a long time also to me seems like two hours of talking that I have to listen to again and edit. So, I mean, that's a lot different than 96 yeah, hours it is, but of I think film. What, but what, yeah, but once you start, you know, it's kind of like you have to see it through. Yeah. 
the completion, you know. And I guess it, that's what separates the people that make things happen from the men from the boys, I guess. Or I don't know. It's just whatever. Again, it's like because I think thing, a lot of people it? have ideas, and they just that that's where it dies. Well, no, but it's also too. We had we had people who had invested money into the film, um, and so we had a responsibility, you know, that. Uh, well, Paul Paul did all the hard yards. Let's not beat around the bush. I just stayed in New York and made coffee. But you know, that's he, not exactly true. You know, he, you know, he we had a responsibility to deliver our best. In, yeah. You know, and we we had other people invested. Emotionally, financially, in us yeah. to do that. So you know, we're at, when we did the first cut, we thought we'd finished. We thought that was it, and then we showed it to a bunch of people, and then we soon came to realise that it wasn't as great as it could have been. So then we had to go back to the drawing board again, and then we did a second cut, and then a bunch of people saw it, and it was like it was better, but we got notes from that, and. Then we did a third cut, and the third cut nailed it. But it, that whole process took, you know, it took a long time because I, you know, I'd taken that initial sort of sabbatical away from like the, t- the television, the film, from the acting, uh-huh. just sort of really like sit in New York, rent out my house in LA, sit in New York, be a filmmaker, and edit and drink coffee all night and do things like that, you know. And did you get the apartment above all, the cafe? Is, yeah, did you make I, that into your editing suite. Yeah, well, yeah, that all that all that all came together. But then, you know, after two years of, of that or 18 months of that, I was like, oh, hang on, I've got to pay the bills again. And, you know, I've had a little break from, from the, the acting thing and I was really, really wanting to get back into it um, as well, you know, sort of stay, stay, stay tight with that. Um, so I was happy to sort of move back into that, into the acting world sort of wholeheartedly. Um, but we still had this film that wasn't quite finished yet. So in between, you know... Uh, and, then, and then you landed a series that was shot in Hawaii. So that took you away out of the equation for... Yeah, and I was down there know. for a while. And then, um, so between Basquale, you know, working in a cafe in New York, um, me being at that time for a while in Hawaii, or then up in Vancouver doing Arrow, you know, it's like, ah, uh, still got to go back with that... That car in the garage, the weekends, you know, tinker with the, you know, like yeah, your, your, yeah. your little... Uh, your, your hobby. Your yeah, your little labor of love, you know, yeah. yeah. And so that definitely um, probably slowed down the process somewhat. But, um, but you know, you, you have to push through on these things. Like like Pasquale's saying, you know, we're responsible for other people's time, money, energy. And a lot of people invested a lot of stuff in it. And that's the one thing you've come to realize you know, from that you're whole responsible. filmmaking. You're responsible, yeah, you're yeah, so, but it's so, to other people. Yeah, but it's so collaborative, and people in so many ways have invested so much in it. And, and, and this film had a bit of a, has had a bit of a funny knack of just at the right time, the person you need sort of popping up in some really sort of serendipitous, sort of peculiar, fantastic ways. Um, For example? Um, well, th- that, that Woody, the initial editor... You know, it's like, hang on, one of Michael Moore's editors is saying that he's interested in this film. In fact, his great line was uh, after he watched some footage extensively, he said, you know what, as an as an, as a African-American, Native American Jew, I have to do this film. <laughs> you know? um, and then at times with, uh, you know, with the uh, music, oh, actually one of the producers, the person, when we had one of those initial screenings in, in, uh, in New York, we thought we'd finish the film. 
There was Elisa Pugliese, who uh, is a producer, and she produced American Teen, which is a great, docu- great documentary. She was the one that said, this is great, but it's not finished. You need to go and sort it back out again. And I happen to be moving to L.A. next in two weeks' time, and you and I can sit down over the Christmas holidays and New Year and sit down and go through it with a, uh, with a, with a, with a tooth... tooth Fine-tooth comb. Fine-tooth comb. So, you know, that opened up. And then when we needed a lawyer, somebody popped up out of nowhere. You know, our our man Rex. Rex We good there with the mic? Yeah, yeah, it came back on. Um, Just a loose cable. Yeah, so we, you know, uh, uh, without sounding too stars and moons, the universe has supported it ably. And now you've gotten it out there. Now you've gotten it out there. And And now you can press a button on Hulu and it's there. Do you know what I mean? You went to five, what, five different... Film festivals you were in or so, probably? Yeah, I think it was five, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's on Hulu and... You can buy the DVD on Amazon. You can watch it on Hulu. Okay. Just press a button, watch it on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, we uh, released it back in October. And I have to say, you know, that whole social media thing now is pretty... Uh, you know, when you've suddenly got a project like this uh, going on, you suddenly go, oh, social media is quite good after yes. all. It's not just a waste of time. I actually really like it. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I've had the support of some of my fellow yeah, yeah. actors as well with their huge Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts and a few of my own and whatnot. And yeah, you've gotten more active on Twitter, haven't you, because yeah, of the definitely. film? Because yeah. of the film, Yeah, you know. A lot of people, obviously, I'm exposed a lot through Arrow. Uh-huh. So a lot of people go, oh, he brought Blackthorn Arrow. But as they come to me, I'm like, that's fantastic, and I'm so glad that you appreciate that, and I love being part of Arrow. But while you're here, check out this film that I made, <laughs> you know, this American Journey. And then can you talk about what what has happened since the film has been released and the projects that are that are uh, growing out of it? Can you talk about any of that yet? Or is there anything even happening yet? Well, we're, Spielberg said... Yeah, he, we he too. Didn't, I didn't, I to just, about, he, he wasn't serious about it, you know. Yeah. I, didn't, I couldn't take the guy seriously, you know. Yeah. That's what Scorsese, well, yeah. I don't know. You really believe what he's saying? Yeah. Um, we, uh, I was in London uh, last week, actually, and we were having some uh, meetings, which are uh, pr- very preliminary at the moment. But we basically have a distribution company who's interested in, in distributing uh, uh, across Europe and, oh, cool. and nice. Australia and New Zealand. Uh, so that's looking great. Um, more hoops to jump through in, in that company, but the initial response was really positive, so we're hoping for distribution uh, in Europe uh, imminently. And then the other one was a uh, very well-known network, which will remain nameless at the moment because we're still very preliminary. But they've expressed interest in uh, a sort of a TV format, a sort of a mini sort of TV format sort of series of this whole idea. Um, and uh, on a, uh, if this American journey was obviously about America, uh, they're interested on a more sort of global exploration in other countries. So um, cool. So you know we're uh, we're all sitting around mulling 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 all that at the moment. Obviously, I'm contracted to Arrow and happy to be there and and uh, and whatnot. But yeah, you some downtime from that though, where you can yeah, do I get my things. hiatus. Sure, you know you get a hiatus where you get a good two and a half three months to uh, go off and you know keep yourself busy. So, so we're, we're, we're just doing a little groundwork on all this other stuff and seeing where it takes us, you know. So you found some good pleasure in the process, at least, to where you'd be happy to carry on and, and kind of reproduce it in another way. Yeah. Well, it's funny, isn't it? When you sit down with these things. I mean, we were sat there at the farmer and the cook. What? How many hours yesterday? Eight hours or something? Yeah. You know, and it went by in a flash, you know. You're just sitting there and just shooting, shooting the breeze and, you know, chewing over ideas and... And what about this? What about that? And, you know, I think, you know, I think that's the thing as well in life that serves us best is when you find that thing that you enjoy 
you know, it'll bring so it will bring so much of your good side out of you. Do you know what I mean? You know, it, it's it's when you're in that yeah. inspired state, when you're in oh, spirit, yeah. you know, when you're in that blissful sort of timeless state, of just <laughs> creativity. I and, love it. You know, yeah. and you sit there and you go, uh, oh, "This is fun," you know. And we're very fortunate. We're we're in an area where we, where we can do that, you know, yeah. with this. So. And, I mean, yeah, and the energy of Ojai, I think, inspires that. It's a pretty healthy environment for making stuff like that happen. Well, it's, but it's not just happening in Ojai. I mean, it's it's a nice place to sit and mull it over, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Could be worse. How long are you staying, Pasquale? Till Friday. Very no, nice. three days. Two Very days. nice. Two days. What's the thing? Yeah, two days, three days. Hun doesn't exist here. <laughs> yes it does in fact we've been talking for almost about an hour now Woohoo! i told you we wouldn't have anything to say right <laughs> an hour long fancy that so i'd like to kind of bring it uh down but i want to like give people however many fine folks in the community listen to this you know uh, kind of your i guess if you're a comic <laughs> then you say your dates but since you're you know talk about what you're doing how people can find you Pasquale, like, how do people know more about you or, you know, come to your ca- – I mean, you said the name of your cafe. Would you, I'm sure you'd love to have an Ojai contingent. I know I'm going to be there at, in uh, – when, uh, when's Memorial Day weekend-ish? End of May. May. Beginning May. of June. Yeah. I yeah. plan to come in. Are you going to be there then? I don't know. Because I would really like it if you, you know, do a yeah. little short pole espresso for me. you got to go and get his little cortada. I don't know because here's the thing, you know, my, my whole New Year's, it's not a resolution, but my, my whole, the energy I'm, I've put out this year for what, what I want 2014 to be is I'm open for change, whatever that, in whatever, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm asking God, universe to bring it on in whatever shape, form that is, I don't know. So, uh, well, ask for positive change, not just change. No, no, we, well, you know, uh, a shift. You, you. I mean, what does that mean to you? Can you put any labels on that? Do you want to move? Do you want to? No, no, no do that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm completely open. Just I, open. I'm just completely open to whatever, right? And um, a new, a new challenge, something exciting. Yeah, something, something you know. Yeah, so it could cool. be, it, it, it could be in the realm of Paul and I's next project or it could be you know my wife is looking for a job at the moment and she interviewed last week in london and if she gets that job she might move to london if she does i'll move to london with her and you know uh, and if she doesn't that's fine too and if the project we're working on doesn't come off that's fine too i'll i'll be at the cafe but i may not you know and i don't know so the best way to find out is just uh just stay tuned to your way, <laughs> to this website, <laughs> this podcast, www.pasquale.com. Are you going to update that? That'd be great. Yeah, I should actually, yeah. Yeah, do it. Yeah. I don't know, I'm thinking like... Not like, that it's, it's a great website. I've yeah, enjoyed no, myself on yeah, there. Yeah, I know. It's got a link to the film in it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of doing the whole Facebook thing. I'm on Facebook, but I don't have any friends. And... So don't worry, love. You'll be all right. You know, you'll get something. I'd love to be your friend on Facebook, yeah, you know, Pasquale. I've got like, is it just Pasquale? Mate, you, should, you should complete. You be. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love Facebook with all its. No. To, to the, you can express yourself and have a bit of a laugh on it and get stuff out there. I think you'd like it. I think you would. Uh, I think I it's fun creating it. the business page. I think the the the, the fun parts of social networking for, for me are putting my creative work on there. I don't give a shit what anybody yeah. else is doing. 
But I want to put my stuff on there and then look at it over and over again. Oh, I created this. I did this. And now look, Facebook has got three likes. Yes. <laughs> Do you get three yes. likes? God, that's quite good. <laughs> Thank you. It feels good. Yeah. Yeah. So, nice. you know, I, I don't know. But if you know, look, you know, you can, you can contact me and I'd love to pull you a shot if I'm around. You got to go to his cafe. Oh, I will. I'm, I'm going to say without a doubt. Smooch a Cafe, doubt. Smooch Cafe in Fort Greene, just off the main drag, just off the Cow, Carlton Avenue. Website smoochorganic.com. Is that what it is? Very Smooch. good. Smoochorganic.com. We got it. We got to it. That's there it good. is, baby. Okay, Paul, plug, plug yourself. Oh, well, you know, I'm lurking around on the TV show Arrow. Nice. Uh, which uh, is a lot of fun. Um, we've been popping the film out there. We've got various sort of websites for that. Oh, this AmericanJourney.com website. We've got the uh, the Facebook page and all that stuff. I'm on Twitter, which is uh, Paul Blackthorn with an E. Um, and um, oh, as um, um, what? Hang on, what else is that? Is that it? Uh, websites and Twitters and fa- oh, Facebook. Oh yeah, and I've got a Facebook page as well. For the film or for your For personal, both. Like a personal? Hey, I'm 21st century, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm all Facebooked up. Um, I still don't really understand how the, a lot of it works, but, you know, it's I try to participate. It's a weird algorithm. I don't think – yeah, don't try to wrap your mind around it too much. Yeah. It's just a lot of targeted advertising. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's us. And, uh, you know, we, we, the film sort of carries on, and we'll, we'll see what happens with that next. So. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much for visiting with me and having me over. I'm really happy that I had the opportunity to do this. I'm just, well, I'm glad you were here too, so we get a chance to meet you and and uh, you know get to know who you're all you're you are and who you're all about. And when I'm you glad. when you work it out, can you tell me, please? Because I'm still trying to work it out. I don't think I have any clue. I know. I'd like to I'd like to leave you with one of Gandhi's lesser known quotes. Gee, my balls are itchy. <laughs> yes, he did just say that. <laughs> Okay. Um, All right. Okay, I guess that's a wrap. And, that's uh, a wrap. Yeah. All right. I'm sure a lot of listeners on the next one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. That was fun. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. Let's have a natter. Let's sit around and have a cup of tea, wouldn't it? It was, yeah. Is there any hot water? I'll take just a half cup hot water while I shut down here. Sure. Okay, there you have it. You got it. Paul Blackthorne, Mr. Bisqually, right? This American journey seems to be the hot ticket. Check it out. Thanks so much for listening. It looks like on my little recorder thing here, we're in a technical upheaval in the Don't Look at Me studios, and that's just one reason why it took so long to put this podcast out. <clears throat> Things are changing here in this studio, and they're getting better. Currently recording this on the Tascam DR40 portable unit that I recorded the podcast on. Also recorded the intro on. A nice little portable recording unit. It has a pretty good sound, don't you think? You can totally understand what I'm saying. All right. So that's uh, what you heard. I also need batteries for this, so I got to go to ChristWilson.com and then click on the Amazon link on the right-hand side where it says This American Journey Video DVD Streaming Download Rental. Check it out. Also, get some AA batteries for the Tascam DR40. It's ready. It's hungry. It wants more data. Have a great time. See you again soon. Don't look at me.